Welcome to Stone Alchemy. I'm Mikey D on the side of the mic, and my buddy Russ is on the other. Join us around this mystical fire, and we'll attempt to make gold of any leaden topic, and vice versa. From pizza on Boica to mushroom secrets from Zeta Reticuli, and everything in between. Nothing is off topic when you dabble in Stone Alchemy. My aunt and uncle brought me to play in Washington Square Park for a few hours in the playground area besides the three mounds. We walked across the sandy grass, carefully avoiding broken glass, and made our way around the crowded path. Kids with skateboards and bikes took turns climbing the high peaks of the mounds for a fast ride down the slope. At any given time, at least two kids were on their way down the slopes from opposite directions. When three raced down at the same time, careful maneuvers were necessary to avoid a lethal collision. It was fairly common to see a pile of kids and their rides all clumped together in a bleeding mess. I wasn't quite ready to partake in the fun, but I knew that next year things would be different, as I planned on getting a skateboard. A skateboard that I could race all over the park with, doing slaloms around people and dogs, skirting cans and bottles, and doing precision leaps over babies and smaller dogs. My goal was to someday skateboard down one of the mounds in the park. From high atop any of the three peaks, one could see all the way to McDougal Street, and the air felt thinner. Looking straight down rattled my nerves. My hand shook. Someday, I thought. Behind the mounds lay the playground's massive timber fortress for kids to play on. It was a giant mass of wood beams, rough and splintered, held together with rougher-looking bolts that appeared to be rusting. Kids hung from every part of the fort. Some grappled and climbed up to the high main deck, where an open ledge allowed courageous leaps from hundreds of feet above the ground. This was the proving ground for kids. A jump off this ledge was a step towards flying a mission to Mars. I wanted to go to Mars, so I ran off for my aunt and uncle to play in the fort. Dozens of kids, some covered in dirt and blood, funneled through a roughly cut entrance and clambered inside. Shafts of sunlight cut through the dust as a stream of kids continued up through a small square hole leading to the main deck above. I pushed my way through and climbed up, fearlessly making it up to the main deck. Some kids were in the corners, petrified and frozen. Some even cried, hysteric with long trails of snot slinging in the dusty air. I too was once scared to death, for the previous year my grandfather threw me into a pool and ordered me to swim. I involuntarily overcame a fear that day, but today I was in control and wanted to make the jump. Kids pushed and coaxed each other off the ledge. I held tightly to the fort, but peered over into the depths. All around me, kids leapt off and soon disappeared into the massive dust cloud below. Some kids screamed a horrible shrill of agony as they crash-landed with a thump and poof of dust. There was much crying. I sat at the edge, with feet dangling and heart pounding, and leaned forward, then pulled back. I took a long breath, an equally long exhale, then I leaned out again, then back, and finally pushed off the fort and into the air. The air around me whooshed by, the sky and clouds rose higher and higher as I dropped into the dust cloud. I could feel the sand and dirt rushing by, then earth as I landed with a thump. I was alive. 
All around me, screaming kids dropped to the ground like paratroopers. I had to avoid getting landed on and quickly leapt out of the way. I caught the faces of kids smashing into the earth, their shock and horror, then a smile or tears or frozen silence. Another barrage of kids fell from the sky. I jumped away and was nearly crushed by a fat kid. I scattered off to the side, caught my breath, and turned to see my aunt and uncle on the park bench. They smiled and waved me over, signaling that it was time to go. I proudly dusted myself off, finally ready to go to Mars at some point in the very near future. The normal way home was to use the southwest exit by the chessboards, but for some reason we were going north, along Washington Square West towards 8th Street. We crossed Waverly Place onto McDougal Street, then past stinky McDougal Alley with our noses clasped shut with our fingers. We crossed McDougal Street over to the small sub-basement entrance with no name. We stepped down narrow steps and passed through the dense fog of sandalwood incense, through black curtains, and into a candlelit brick basement with water beds for sale. Brightly colored mandalas carefully laid upon each bed floated with the gentle motion of the ocean. I instinctively ran and dove into one of the beds. Head first, with arms out, I slid into the crest of a wave, slowly rising and sinking. I bobbed a moment. The wave of my own weight carried me across the waterbed sea, back and forth, up and down, and by the wake of my own wave, I was tossed to the floor. Deep shag carpeting broke my fall. As I stood, I felt someone grab my arm and tug quite harshly. It was a slickly dressed salesman, quite angry at me for something. Without saying a word, the salesman continued to pull my arm, tugging me away from the waterbed. My aunt yelled and grabbed my free arm, then pulled me away from the salesman to freedom. My uncle started yelling at the salesman as my aunt and I escaped by running through the store, through the haze, and up the stairs to street level. We cheered upon reaching McDougal Street, but could clearly hear my uncle still shouting at the salesman for some unknown reason. So that was the story Waterbed by Rust. I, I really enjoyed that. There was a real, I really got the sense and the feel of, of a kid in a playground just wanting to do the things, the dangerous things that the other kids are doing. And, and I, I, I've been there myself. So, I, so Rust, tell me, like, I'm assuming that's, that's actually a true story. Yeah, it is a true story, although it wasn't hundreds of feet in the air. But uh, it yeah. It felt like it probably for you, right? <laughs> it did. It felt very much like it was hundreds of feet because those who don't know, Washington Square Park is this incredible park in Greenwich Village. It's it's really clean and kind of wholesome now. But at one time, it was a bit dirtier. And more importantly, there were these three mounds, which as a kid appeared to be like mountains. And kids would often go mounds there. Mounds of, of what? Of, of What were they mounds of? That's a real good question because I don't think anybody actually knows that answer because they had it was like this <laughs> synthetic, it was a pile of bodies, you know? No, it was this synthetic, these three synthetic mountains had a kind of rubberized texture to uh, it. Oh, okay. Not for safety, picture. just more so it doesn't fall apart. And uh, basically they were rubberized mountains, but they were pretty high, maybe about 20 feet each high. But there were these big peaks and there were three of them. And it was a big deal as a kid to go bicycling or skateboarding or people have roller skates and just go up there and roll down. Uh, it's fun. It sounds awesome. It was a lot of fun. And, and, and like I said in the story, it was really true. The kids would come down from different angles 
and there'd be a mess sometimes with all these kids coming down, clashing into each other. We would go play there. Uh, I would be escorted to the park and set free in this Lord of the Flies world where all these <laughs> kids were running around all sweaty and bloody and really it was a real mess. It was not an organized thing at all. It was people just running around crazy. There was this great fort behind the mounds and, and that's where kids would climb up and and it was a big deal to be able to climb up to the top and jump off. It was mm-hmm. a real, that was a real sign of your advancement in the childhood ranks, I guess, where uh, it meant something. It meant something to you as a kid. Sure. And that's why, see, this this is something I think that's maybe lacking now is I think that play, play in general should have a sense of danger. Uh, even like when you see animals play, they play rough. And kids, by nature, want to play a little rough, and they want to get, they want to have a sense that they've achieved something. So if you're climbing, if you have everything so safety-minded, where there's no way you're going to even get a bruise, or you can't have a mound because, God forbid, someone slips down that mound, so everything's flat and cushioned, the kids aren't really huh. achieving anything. But what you what you did, you had to climb this mound, so you came, you felt a sense of achievement. And I think maybe that's, do you think that's missing to, into with today's kids? I I do. Yeah, I think so. I think those kind of challenges where, where you need more real life challenges, not that being in a playground is really nature, but being out in the real world where you can face real challenges, whether it's jumping off of a fake fortress or, or maybe playing by a pond someplace or you're looking at the water, but uh, you learn from these things. And, and by jumping off, off that fortress, sometimes people were pushed off. That was the other <laughs> that thing with the kids crying. That, that's, that's no joke. I really distinctly remember kids up there like, in tears because like, they were afraid you're like maybe really only maybe 10 feet up in the air and that might have well have been mount everest I mean, kids, when you're a kid sure absolutely. Oh, and kids would shove each other off i mean really terrified i'm sure some kids have developed a tremendous fear of heights from that but but eh, whatever so some people didn't make it but so you had uh, that was sort of like a, a little miniature world because you had your bullies you had your scared people you had to, but it was it was sort of like a, the world the real world playing itself out in a playground which i think is what play is play is is like preparing for real life yeah and it, it is kind of preparing for real life because because there was uh while some kids are pushing others off those who, who were their friends we're encouraging each other. Come on, let's do this together. There were kids jumping off together, kind of thing. Let's hold hands and jump off. Right. See, that's exactly. Yeah, there was that kind of aspect to it. Um, and again, also just being out there, just having so much fun, even though I didn't have a bike till much later. And I became a terror in Washington Square Park with my bicycle. You know, ah. No helmet on, you know, just never go plowing through crowds of people. Yeah, no one wore helmets. Um, but the skateboard thing, you know, you meet friends and you go right terracing around the park. I don't know if uh, people get really angry about that stuff nowadays. If, if, because people get hurt. I mean, people fall out. People look scarred. We had all kinds of blood hanging off of us. And I always had uh, band aids on, like when as, as kids, there was always a, a scraped knee or a cut on your arm or your finger or your head. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember riding my bike like a maniac down my block 118 and just chasing each other like we always did. And I turned to go up to the sidewalk where, where I thought was a ramp, and I hit a full curb. And I went launching, I launched, literally launched off my seat over my handlebars and landed on a stoop. Jeez, <laughs> oh, you're lucky you didn't crack your head open. I know I didn't. I got back on the bike and we took off. <laughs> we, we used to, uh, an old friend, I think his name was Eddie, you know, it was a long time ago, in a small driveway, we would, we would take our bicycles and we would both go down the same way and we would turn into each other. And we played a game called Kamikaze. Mm-hmm. 
and the idea was you have to turn into each other with a bicycle and the first oh. person to basically chicken out would would you know would chicken out right. but many times we plowed into each other head first mm-hmm. at full speed without bikes how many bikes did you wreck <laughs> well they were pretty i had an old it was an old Schwinn. The thing was like solid cast iron. I think it was, it's probably still around someplace. That's some, true. Some of those bikes were really solid. They were very solid. It was a very heavy bike and I took care of it. I, I learned how to take care of the bike. I learned, I'd say that's another thing. I learned, you learn mechanical skills. You learn how to take care of. True. How to fix a, a chain, change a tire. Because that was the only bike I was going to have for maybe a good 30 years, you know. <laughs> and you wonder like now, like would a, would a kid change his own bike tire? I would, I hope so. I mean, I don't want to like label all kids as lazy and scared. Uh, but my perception of it seems, I mean, again, we don't have kids. Neither of us have kids, which maybe puts us at a disadvantage to talk about kids. But from my, from my, you know, what I see around me, it seems a lot of kids cry a lot over very silly things. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think cause kids start crying because they know that they're going to get their parents' attention because their parents are sitting there hovering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have kids that we don't know exactly what it's like, but if you go to a park or something and you see kids playing, their parents are standing there, you know, watching very carefully. They're, they're afraid of someone doing something. I don't know, pulling out a knife or something. I don't know. But I it, don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's also it's a, a, we're living in a fearful. People are afraid of stuff. People are in a very fearful world. People are afraid of things. And, and it's safer now. The world is actually a lot safer now oh, than it yeah. was when we were kids. By far, there's less violence. There's less a lot of less everything bad. But yet you would you don't get that that feeling from people. You get the, the opposite feeling, that that people are being abducted constantly off the street and people. You know, it, it's there's. I don't know if it's just a media thing because media needs to sell papers or sell stories. Well, so every know, single thing is hyped up. Well, also the other thing too, and this is something to think about, is many years ago we didn't have this level of instant news access. We weren't getting information instantaneously. Some... People usually had to wait until the evening news or the next day for the newspaper to come out, and that's if they picked up the story. And if they, right, so they have a chance to so, sort of develop the story a bit. Yeah, running story, with bits and pieces yeah. and filter out some of the stuff. But but now every little thing that happens gets instantly uh, broadcast on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, and it's funny, like the newspapers are the last places to have the information now. That's true. <laughs> no, it's very true. But on, on, in social media, you're just getting bits and mm. pieces of half-truths and partial truths and uh, sometimes just outright wrong information. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's not a good place to get your news. If you're getting your news on social media, find a new source. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, so your story was called Waterbed. Now, it started out in the park. And then you went home. You and your aunt uh, were going home in a different direction, and you went into a store. Tell tell well, us about yeah, that. Yeah, we were we usually go home one way, but we were going another way. But there was this place on um, I think it was McDougal Street or Washington Square Park South. The street name changes, but down these steps was a a store. This is maybe 1973 or so, 72, and they sold waterbeds. It was a store that sold these waterbeds, and not the modern waterbeds where they have a mattress and water. These were big plastic bags full of water <laughs> jiggled that were bubbly, you know, blah, 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 that kind of a thing. And, and we would go down there cause it was so cool. It was so cool. Where else can you go see a big gigantic bed of water? And as a kid, the instinct is to just jump into something like that. You have to, you have to, <laughs> you have to dive into it. Sure. And, and, and my, my aunt and uncle, they didn't really restrain me. You know, again, it was like, Oh, just be, be careful. You know, and, and my idea of being careful was jumping into the waterbeds. And, and, and that actually happened. Uh, 
I, I really pissed off the salesman for doing it. It was it was one of those things where I bet it was I'm not sure it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because it was it was so funky. Can you imagine that? You know the, that the era, um, but waterbeds were a thing. But that was considered waterbeds at that time. Only bachelors had them. People who participated actively in orgies. Well, I was going to say was people, there red lights going flashing and porn music it had, playing? It had that kind of vibe to it. It was very slick. I mean, you have to take a shower after leaving that place. You know, it was so, there was something, so you imagine going there, a little fat Italian kid with his aunt and uncle going into this place like this. And it's, it's all these very mature, sophisticated adults in, in Greenwich Village. Were you a buying. fat kid? I was a fat kid, yeah. Because you're not, you're, you're, you're certainly not now. You're, you're a slim, a slim adult. Uh, well, you've the always been, you've been slim. Well, you've been slim since, you know, almost all the time I've known you. Maybe in high school, you were a little bit chubby, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was eating funny, like free, so free donuts for breakfast every day, remember? <laughs> The donuts. <laughs> At high school, yeah, that's what we ate. For, yeah, soda and donuts. See, that was the American meal back then. We used was, to. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Free donut breakfast was part of every requirement. Well, that's that's another thing with kids, and and it, 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 I'm sure we could both talk about this. Is sugar? Uh, sugar was the mm. drug. You know, nowadays, like kids are almost banned from having sugar. And look, sugar's not good for you, uh, no question. No. Uh, but it, the thing, I think the difference was when we were kids, we were running around outside. We burned it off. We needed that fuel. Kids today, they get fat because they're eating. If they eat too much sugar or junk, they're sitting around on their phones and on their computers playing games. They're not burning off any calories anymore. Yeah. Well, because of the physical activities, or they're not doing as much maybe now. And like, again, they're not hanging out, running around like crazy. Maybe with the exception of some team, like team sports that they do, like the the, Mm. the kids that are involved with team sports, which is great. I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's something wrong with that. So I think it's fantastic. You were the kind of kid who would, your idea of breakfast was having having a, a Pepsi or two. You would drink two or three cans of Pepsi for breakfast or something. Well, but that was in high school, yeah. No, yeah, that was in high school, yeah. It was a terrible you, you diet, yeah. A lot. yeah. But I was on, team, I was on the, the chocolate team, I was on the track team. Yeah, so I, was burning, I was burning stuff off, but uh, I did, yeah. We see donuts, and we used to, every morning we would get to school way before anyone else, and me, you, and Scott, and Joe. Yep. Big yeah. Joe, well, we'll talk about in future episodes of Snow and Alchemy, because Big Joe was one of our camping buddies, but that's for future tales. Yeah, we would sit there and eat donuts and drink soda. Uh, and the good old days. Yeah. Jumping into the waterbed, that was considered a, a crazy thing to do, I guess. But what's your idea of being mischievous as a, as a young kid? Oh, I mean, we did things that were that were pretty damn mischievous. You know, we would, I remember one time we had, do you remember those little, they were called poppers, I think, and it was two strings with a little cardboard in the middle you pulled the two strings and it would pop so we just ah. decided see one of my friends my friend joe who became a cop he was mr mischief he was the one that really got me into a lot of trouble because he had that mischievous mind that oh that took it to that next level so <laughs> we decided well that, that that would make a perfect booby trap so we would tie them on people's gates and on their door doorknobs so when they <laughs> opened the door they would explode so one day this woman margie who we knew in the neighborhood knew very well she's a good friend of my family uh, she came screaming over to Joe's mother. Some son of a bitch put these things on my doorknob. They almost blinded my kid. Blah, blah, blah. If I find out who it is, I'm going to cut their balls off. And me and Joe were sitting there just scared shitless because we, we didn't want to. <laughs> we certainly weren't going to admit we did it. And she had no idea we did it. So we got we, we took all the poppers and we ran to the corner. We got rid of them all. We threw them down the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was well, probably a little was... mis- stupid thing to do. But yeah, it was fun. I, remember those uh, cigarette loads? Oh, yeah. They were featured 
these cigarette loads were featured many old cartoons. Uh, they weren't as powerful as they seemed in the cartoons, but they were pretty powerful. And my both my parents smoked, unfortunately. My dad, who always had a sense of humor about stuff like this, I, I would habitually load two or three cigarette loads in his cigarette. So he's driving with a cigarette, you know, <laughs> and the thing would explode and he'd swerve a little bit with the car <laughs> and then he'd laugh. So I tried doing this one time with my mother who was very stressed out all the time because she's raising two kids by herself. So I figured, you know, my mom can use a really good laugh. So I took her cigarettes and I put the cigarette loads on her thing. And uh, my brother and I were waiting in our bedroom, waiting to hear the explosion. And it's like we're a waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's like a pop. But I put like two or three of them in there. So <laughs> so we're, we're waiting very patiently. And, and then all I hear is, son of a bitch! <laughs> you know, and my mom was not happy. Let's just say it was, yeah, it was not a good evening. <laughs> prob- and, that probably didn't do a lot for her level of tension. No, it did not. But but that maybe that, that your was your intentions were right. My intentions were in a good. I wanted to I wanted to make cheer her happy. Up. You yeah, to I want to laugh. cheer up. Yeah, you need to laugh. Who doesn't need to laugh like an exploding cigarette? You know. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of explosives with, with us. But I think <laughs> there was that's a common denominator I noticed. You know, with fireworks and cigarette loads and poppers and there's something about kids like dangerous dynamite explosives i remember they with dynamite sticks on pleasant avenue one day oh, actual dynamite it was, it was it was like wow can you believe that and that might cross the line i, I mean so so what do you think you think maybe we were we just stupid or we, we were just so mischievous you think kids now are maybe better off that they're not doing this kind of stuff or well, are they missing out on something great that we they're did? missing out on something great but we were stupid but we were smart about it and I guess <laughs> we're smart kids, about being stupid. We were smart about, it's true, we were smart about being stupid. I think many people today are smarter and they realize, you know, it's maybe not even worth the risk. And I think that's that's a risk big level. thing there, you know, the risk take. That's why. Well, the risk avoidance, which is not well, good. Well, that's why we, we haven't had manned missions to moon. I mean, there are plenty of people willing to die, put their lives on the line to take a mission. Um, everything's and, measured now by the level of everything safety. Everything is so carefully measured. I mean, the moon missions today would never have happened, I think, uh, considering yeah. the level of danger back then that was required for the job. And I think those risks are not acceptable in today's world. So I'm, I'm wondering, maybe we've gone a little bit too far. You could be too cautious, perhaps. I don't know. That's up to opinion. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think to a degree, danger, danger breeds excellence and breeds advancements. I mean, it, mm. we're, we're, we by nature, humans are, are travelers, we're adventurers. You know, we, we need to people sometimes say, well, we shouldn't be spending money on space travel. Well, I disagree. I think it's part of our nature to travel and we need to get off this planet and we'll discover other planets because we may one day need a new home. Yeah, uh, but but even if not for, for anything practical. See, this is the other thing. Everything now seems to be everything we learn has to have a practical value. But sometimes I think the greatest knowledge is just for the sake of the adventure of learning. I love learning. I was that's something I was always encouraged to do as a kid is to read. And my father always would, if I got a hobby, he would, if I all of a sudden got into astronomy, he'd buy me a telescope. If I got into, you know, biology, buy me a microscope, you know, he was always encouraging my, my latest obsession. Yeah. Cause you never know where that curiosity leads to. If it's not necessarily something you do, you might inspire somebody else and they might sure. do something else. Look at some of the, some great scientists today. They were so inspired by HG uh, Wells and, and other other mm-hmm. writers of science fiction to become scientists, those kind of things that no one ever thought about doing at the time, but because they were inspired by something so incredible, they, they thought about something they never would normally have thought about and 
change the world. And that's what I think is not encouraged. Is I don't think there are kids, and I could be wrong, and there's anybody out there that wants to debate this, please, you could contact us. Uh, do, we have a, do we have an email address? We, we need to set up an email address of uh, stonealchemy at yahoo.com. I think uh, we'll have that set up if it's not already. Yeah. If you have any comments or anything, you know, send it to to Russ and Mike. Uh, but I don't know if kids today are encouraged enough to 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 free thinking. Uh, are kids in school not given assignment, given free range assignments? Like, okay, you come up with an experiment, or you write a story, or or is it always controlled? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm sort of ignorant about this. Yeah. I don't have, a, I don't yeah. have kids. I have cats. You have cats. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about play with cats. Talk about danger. When you have two cats playing, they play rough. They wrestle. They chase each other. They dive. And my wife sometimes gets worried. She's like, are they? Are they? Are you sure they're just playing? And <laughs> I'm like, believe me. I've seen real cat fights in my yards growing up. And real cat fights are ugly. And they are bloody. And they are terrible to watch. I would like stop them with my hose sometimes to separate cats. Oh, but cats I've never playing, seen one. Oh. oh, it's terrible. But cats playing is hilarious. It's so much fun. And you can tell they're having fun. So I think it's uh, I think it's time we uh, put a period on the sentence here and uh, end this episode, episode four of Stoned Alchemy with Russ and myself, Mike, and we will be back soon with episode five. And we may have a, a, a we're going to take a little different turn next episode. Uh, should be a really interesting discussion. We will yeah, yeah maybe a little spaced out. But uh, well, anyway, until next time, arrivederci. Ciao. Thank you for listening. Take care, guys. Bye.